on episode 328 of Nintendo Switchcraft. Uh, my thoughts on SteamWorld Quest. Nintendo's lawyers take down a seven-year project. Hyrule is on its way to Minecraft. Those stories and more on this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. Stick around. Here we go. forgot to unmute there <laughs> sorry about that uh switchcraft is brought to you live three times a week on tuesdays and thursdays at 3 p.m u.s eastern and on saturday at whatever time i can get to it tune in live over at twitch.tv slash run jump stomp this episode of switchcraft is brought to you by rodney l get switchcraft and my other shows for as little as a dollar by heading on over to patreon.com slash run jump stomp all right it's time to get started play on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Are you up to the challenge? I'll tell you what, uh, you know who's up to the challenge? Image Inform Games. They are up to the challenge. Uh, SteamWorld Quest, the embargo is up today. I had recorded a first look, but something went wrong with the video, and I didn't realize it, and I was, I was uploading it this morning, and there was, like, there was no audio in the video. I can't, I can't figure out what the problem was, but I ended up throwing the video away and um so i'm just going to talk about my experience with the game so far i'm probably about 10 hours in i think um and i'm having an absolute blast this game is fantastic and it, it shouldn't surprise anybody that steam world quest is awesome because every game that i have played from image and form has been really really good and I, I I adore the world that they are building with SteamWorld. Uh, everything that they every time they they come at this, they bring a different genre, and they seem to nail it every single time. This is this is a company that I am starting to say that I could probably compare to Nintendo, because Nintendo every time they tackle a genre, they put their own spin on it and make it awesome. And that's what Image Inform Games has basically been doing they have been tackling new genre after new genre and making it their own and making it really really fun uh so let's talk about steam world quest this is their take on a turn-based rpg and uh basically you are these three robots and you are not in town and, and while you're out of town in the tutorial uh bandits attack the um the town that you're in and they they kidnap all the heroes and that's as far as i'll get with spoilers uh, it's your job to go rescue the heroes and uh you've got three characters in your party there's there's more characters that you can get but you can have up to three characters in your party at any time and you get to pick there's so much customization in this game that it is it's just incredible so not only do you get to pick the characters in your party but you can also pick their attacks. Now, their attacks are in the form of cards. And when I say cards, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. But it's actually not that bad because each character gets eight cards that they can put in their deck. 
okay? So you have a deck of up to 24 cards. And it doesn't feel like it's super... Uh, I mean, yes, it's randomized, but you get to decide how many of which card to put in your deck. So if you want to focus your character on doing basic attacks, um, I, I suppose in order to talk about this, I should really talk about the combat system itself before I talk about the customization. You think? Let's try that. Um, the combat system works like this. It's turn-based. Uh, at the beginning of the turn, uh, you you draw some cards. On, I think it's like four cards, maybe six cards. You, you draw some cards off the top of your deck, and you put those in your hand. Uh, each card is an attack or a spell or something that you can do, like maybe heal one of your other characters. And some of those attacks will earn you... SP, which is steam points. And along the top of the uh, screen, you have like these little cogs that will fill up as you get steam points. And then other cards, other abilities will use steam points in order to be played. So for instance, I can do a regular sword attack, which will earn me a steam point, or I can cast an ice spell, which will cost me a steam point. So that's there. There's no real mana in the. Well, I guess that's your mana, but you are in charge of how much mana you have at any given time. And I, the way I tend to play, I tend to play in a way where I'm always like almost out of mana because I I tend to use those spenders a lot and I don't use the builders nearly as much as I probably should. And I've run into issues with bosses and then gone back. Uh, reorganized my deck to give me more more builders in the deck and less spenders in the deck, and then I was able to do better. But then I fought a different boss, and I was like, okay, well, let me have less spenders and go for more builders this time. And there's so much customization that it's just fantastic. So I feel like I've, I've said that already. Um, so the customization, you build your deck... Let's say that you're a mage. You can focus on fire spells or ice spells or lightning spells. Um, And because of that, you can use like interaction between characters. So like the the sword, the sword uh, attacking character who's I can never remember any of their names because, you know, I've got the memory of a goldfish, but um, they can have an ability which will lower the enemies um resistance to fire spells so then maybe you're going to want to put lots of fire spells on your mage but you could also go a completely different way and it also depends on what kind of enemies you're fighting because some enemies are going to be weak against fire while others will be weak against ice and others will be weak against physical attacks so as you're playing through the game you want to say okay i know that these guys are weak against this so i'm going to stack my deck so that it has lots of that in it. And there's just so much strategy to the deck building uh, that you put your deck together, you go into combat. It's really, really fun. You can change your deck at any time. So uh, as long as you're not in the middle of a fight. So if you are fighting a bunch of exploding spiders and, and you need to do more damage to kill them before they explode, you can stack your deck with a bunch of high damage stuff. Um, and, and then if uh, if you're fighting those spiders and they keep exploding, 
after that combat, you go ahead and stack your deck with all of that super high damage stuff so that you can take them out before they explode. Or maybe you go into a dungeon and you realize, man, this dungeon sure has a lot of things that are weak against poison. So I'm going to stack my deck with a bunch of poison stuff so that I can go in and easily take everybody out. There's a lot of strategy to it. There's a, It doesn't feel randomized because you're in charge of what's in the deck. And at the end of the day, this game is fantastic. I can't wait to play more of it. Uh, it's one of those games where like my wife and my son will be downstairs watching a TV show and I'll just grab the switch, grab my headphones, go and sit in the in the recliner while they're watching a show and I'm playing uh, Steam World Quest. It's so fun. And if you haven't picked it up, you should pick it up uh, as soon as I think it comes out tomorrow. I'm not positive, but I think it comes out tomorrow. I'm getting a question in chat. Uh, Lol Worthy says, so do you have to unlock spells for each character, or do you have everything to choose from at the start? Great question, Lawworthy. Thank you for asking. So uh, you unlock stuff. Maybe you are going through a dungeon and you find a chest, and then you can open that chest and in, out will pop some cards, and, and you, you, know, you obviously want to try those right away and see what they do. It's really cool. But then there's also this woman... I say woman, they're all robots, but there's this woman who um, has like a caravan and she's the merchant in the game and and you keep finding her in different places, which is really cool. (laughs) Like I remember one time I like had gone down a ladder and I'm like in this cave and I go to the next screen over and uh, there's the merchant with her wagon And my characters was like, well, how the hell did you guys, how did you get down here? The writing in this game is great, by the way. And she said something along the lines of it involved a rope and some high heels. I can't, I can't remember exactly what she said, but I literally laughed out loud. And I I remember this because my, my wife and my son were watching a TV show and I was sitting there playing the game and I went, "Ah!" (laughs) and they both looked at me like I was some kind of crazy person. Um, You can talk to her and uh, you can sell stuff to her and you can buy weapons and stuff. But the other thing that you can do is craft cards. So as you're fighting enemies uh, and you and you kill them, you get like these crafting materials and then you use gold plus those crafting materials at that merchant to craft cards to put in your deck. So you have the option to craft cards and you have the option to find cards out in the wild. And it's a really cool uh, way of doing it. I will say this, and maybe it gets better later in the game, but as I was playing it, I constantly felt like I didn't have enough money to buy the weapons or buy the car or craft the cards that I wanted to. So, uh, for instance, very early on in the game, you talk to the merchant and you can buy a sword from her. And, oh man, I almost forgot about a very, very cool mechanic in the game. Thank you for reminding me, uh, Bravd. Uh, Bravd is asking, is there gear? Yes, there is. So you get like this new sword, right? Uh, But in in the game, when you're in combat, this is so cool. If you, uh, you get to play three cards, okay? So you pick from your hand the three cards that you want to play. Those three cards are your three attacks that you're going to do. You can also sub in one of those attacks with like drinking a potion or resurrecting somebody, you know, 
curing poison, that kind of thing. But you're going to want to go with your three attacks, okay? And if all three attacks come from the same hero, so if my mage uses all three attacks, they are going to get a fourth attack as a bonus. And it's very, very cool. That bonus attack depends on what weapon you have equipped. So let's say I'm the sword attacking person whose name I can't remember, whose right, the writing that they did for this character is fantastic, by the way. Um, I'm that sword person. You start out with your bonus attack being Lionheart, which is just another attack. The first sword that I got as an upgrade for that, for, for that character, the first sword that I got for her, um, that, gave, that changed Lionheart over to lacerate and lacerate adds a poison to it so it also gives you the option to change your gear to better affect the part of the dungeon that you are in and the in the the monsters that you're up against if they're weak against poison then you probably want to use lacerate or that's probably a bleed not poison off the top of my head uh if you're if they're weak against bleeds then you want to use lacerate instead of using Lionheart because that's going to do more damage. I, I can't right now. Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Okay, sorry. I was just talking to my son about something. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's very in-depth. Uh, the game is fairly short from what I understand. I think it's supposed to be about 15 or 20 hours, uh, which, you know, I, I recently was, was complaining that games are too damn long. I never have a chance to finish them. So I, I think that it's going to be great, and I'll actually be able to finish this game. And I haven't finished it yet because I've been busy, but I'm looking forward to playing more SteamWorld Quest. It's incredibly fun. And if, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you like that kind of game at all... I wouldn't sleep on it. I think that I think that you're going to really, really have a fun time uh, with this game. All right, let's talk about somebody who's not having such a fun time. Sonic 2 handles stubborn stains, embarrassing bald spots, no problem. All right, there is a a, a Nintendo fan named Zero Page, P, uh, Z-E-R-O-P-A-I-G-E. They have been working on porting Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers to the Commodore 64, which I loved the Commodore 64 when I was growing up. I I had so much fun with that. Uh, I almost say I almost said console, but it's a computer, I guess. And they, they ported it over to the Commodore 64 and it took them seven years to do it. Now, this is one person working all by themselves. And it's a lot of work. Now, when you do this kind of thing, you are, of course, taking your, I don't want to say life, but taking your time into your own hands. Because Nintendo has no choice but to step in and say, I'm sorry, you can't do this. This is, uh, of course, what happened. Nintendo... uh, stepped in and said, actually, four days after they released their C64 port of Super Mario Brothers, Nintendo uh, stepped in and said, I'm sorry, you can't do this. They got the, the cease and desist letter. Um, the At C64 Club uh, tweeted this. They said, uh, oh, where did it go? I don't see the tweet. 
Maybe I clicked on the wrong thing. I'm trying to open up the tweet right now. There we go. Uh, so it says, Good times. Due to a DMCA takedown notice, we had to remove Super Mario Brothers 64 download from the website blog post from four days ago. Hopefully everyone enjoys the Commodore 64 uh, game who is able to snag it. So uh, it's no longer available at the website. But hey, Nintendo, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but nothing on the internet ever goes away. Uh, So now it's out there and people will be able to play it. The thing that probably bothers me the most about this is the fact that Nintendo waited until this was done. Like, Like, this person worked on this for a very long time in order to get this uh, running, uh, Super Mario Brothers 64 by Zero Page. Uh, they worked for a very, very long time to get this running, and Nintendo probably could have stepped in at any time and said, hey, if you put this out, we're going to make you take it down. There's no way around it. They have to. And and look, N- Nintendo didn't do anything wrong by making them take it down. Um Nintendo has to defend their trademark. If they don't defend their trademark, they lose the ability to defend their trademark when somebody does something really, like, skeezy, all right? So it's perfectly acceptable for Nintendo to say, I'm sorry, this is our trademark. You have to take this down. Here's your cease and desist. Uh, Let's move on. But to wait until after it was done, that seems bad. Now, I will say this. The port looks fantastic like the amount of like this runs really well i did see some slowdown on this video and if you want to f- uh, go to the show notes which i keep over at runjumpstomp.com and you can check out the show notes uh it seems to be running pretty well there's a little bit of slowdown but running that on an n64 is just uh an amazing feat of engineering and i'm very very impressed that they were able to uh pull it off Uh, But, you know, I am going to defend Nintendo here and say they have to take it down because if they don't, then the next time somebody inflicts, inflicts, infringes on their trademark, then they might not be able to defend that trademark in court. So it's understandable why Nintendo asked them to take it down. But why did Nintendo wait so long? All right, that that music means that we've got something very interesting coming. And it is actually a tweet from Nintendo Japan, and it is uh, Minecraft. Now, Minecraft, well, we already have Minecraft, but do we have this Minecraft? I don't know that we do. If you've ever played Minecraft on the Wii U or the Nintendo Switch, you would know that both of them have a Mario world built into the game. Well, somebody has been working very, very hard to basically build Hyrule in Minecraft, and Nintendo is, like, this is going to be an official thing because Nintendo's tweeting about it. It looks fantastic, like, just amazing, the the, uh, architecture that they have made to build these giant buildings, and I, you know, a lot of people said that when they when they made um, Minecraft for the Nintendo Switch and for the Wii U, a lot of us said, 
you really should have made a Zelda world instead of a Mario world. I understand that Mario works really well, but I mean, the even the Alex carrier character kind of looks like Link. So I think that, oh, actually, I shouldn't have switched away from that. Let's bring it back. Uh, here you can see, if you're watching the video, uh, you can see Alex, who looks like Link, walking through. Uh, it just looks... It looks fantastic. I think it's. I think it's great. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> sorry about the. <laughs> uh, I left the cursor in the middle of the video. So uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're probably like, "Move your cursor, Bill." Well, no, I'm gonna leave it right there. Uh, but anyway, it looks gorgeous. They've done a, a fantastic job on this. I, I don't know when it's coming. Actually, let me let me look at the tweet because it's in Japanese. So I'm going to open up the tweet and see if I can use uh, translate to translate it for me. Uh, it says, I made Hyrule Castle of the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild in Minecraft. Please uh, check out the serious work by Microsoft certified professionals. It doesn't say uh, when it's going to be available, but I'm sure it will be at some point. Anyway, it looks fantastic and it's something that should have happened a long, long time ago. Um, let's, let's talk about something else that should have happened. This is, this is pretty upsetting. Uh, Hyrule, Hyrule, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy X or, or 10, sorry, Final Fantasy 10 came to the Nintendo Switch recently and it came with its sequel, Final Fantasy 10 2, which is awesome. Two games for the price of one, about $40, I think, um, two games for $40 and they're supposed to be really, really good games. I've never played Final Fantasy 10 or 10 2, but I've, I've heard awesome things about these games. Now, if you buy the physical version, we've talked about this on the show before. If you buy the physical version, you get Final Fantasy 10 on the cartridge and 10 2 you get as a download code. I've complained about this and a lot of people have complained about this, but you know, to no avail, that, that's what happened, and it's fine. I've made my peace with it. I, I'm okay with it. What I'm not okay with is this is so ridiculous. If Final, even though Final Fantasy ten two is a download, you have to have Final Fantasy ten the cartridge in the cartridge slot... Or you can't play 10-2. All right, let me repeat that. If you bought the game physically and you got 10-2 as a download, all right, all right, you with me? You downloaded that game. It's not on the cartridge anywhere. There's nothing of it on the cartridge. But you can only play the downloaded one if you've got the cartridge in the system. It says insert the game card if you try and play it otherwise. This is just stupid. And Square Enix, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know who to blame here. I don't know if I should be blaming Nintendo for this or Square. I Both companies are pretty tone deaf when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, six in one, half a dozen in the other. Maybe, maybe it's for both. Uh, Jay Harley 17 in chat says that's how the Call of Duty game was with the bonus remastered one too. And I, I understand why they're doing this. If you're wondering why, what benefit would that have for them? 
Well, that means that I am much less likely to trade in Final Fantasy X to uh, GameStop or Amazon or any other place where you sell your used games. Because if I trade it in, yeah, maybe I still have 10-2 on my system, but now I can't play. That's two games that I lose. All right? And get this. If I go to GameStop and buy Final Fantasy X used, I only get one game because the code has probably already been used by the person who bought it. So this effectively makes it absolutely impossible to trade in this game. I bet you if you, this game just came out, I bet you if you called up, and I haven't done this, but I bet if you called up GameStop right now and said, yeah, what's the trade-in value for Final Fantasy X, X-2 on Nintendo Switch? They would probably say, oh, a dollar or something like that. And then they would probably turn around and sell it. Are you listening? They would probably turn around and sell that for a bunch of money. Because then people would go in and they would buy it, not knowing. They'd take it home. They'd put the cartridge in. They'd play through 10. They'd be like, all right, now it's time to play 10-2. What? Where's 10-2? I can't play it without a download? This is really, really slimy. Uh, So basically, 10-2 gets lost forever. Smash Block and Chad is saying that. It's just gone. It disappears. If you're going to buy this game, do not support this. Honestly, I would recommend not buying this game at all to show Square Enix that that is nonsense and shouldn't be allowed. But if you still want to play this game, because I've heard fantastic things about it, buy it digitally. Buy it digitally and make them eat the cost of that physical cartridge because they they made that cartridge. They had to pay for it. Make Square Enix lose money on those cartridges. And I know that there's going to be people who say, but Bill, if we do that, then they're just going to stop making physical physical games. I know, but what good is having a physical game if you only get half of it and you have to have the cartridge in as well? This is, this is the worst of both worlds. You get what I'm saying? This is absolutely the worst of both worlds. Lawworthy has Googled it for us. And said that the trade-in value for this is $15. I can't believe that it's that high. That is very, very surprising to me. Lawworthy. Uh, so I stand corrected. Um, Redneck Matt, uh, Redneck I Matt says, Since when does Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft care about trade-ins? Oh, they care about trade-ins. They do not want you trading in games. Because if you trade in a game, and then the next person buys that game used... That's money that they don't get. They care about trade-ins. They absolutely care about trade-ins, without a doubt. Uh, That would be... It's bad for them to have... Trading in a game is bad for the video game industry as a whole. It's good for the consumer, uh, as long as you get a good deal. But it's not good for the video game industry as a whole. Harley 17 says, I never trade games in for the worthless price they offer. Honestly, I am I'm flabbergasted that the trade-in price for that game is $15. That is really much higher than I anticipated. Okay. Uh we have talked about a bunch of stuff. I'm going to lightning around the rest of this stuff and then we'll get to feedback, okay? Here we go. Hello, look. Hey. Listen. Puyo Puyo Champions. Are you a fan of Puyo Puyo? 
I am. I am a fan of Puyo Puyo. I think that those games are really, really fun. And Puyo Puyo Champions just got announced for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's a multiplayer Puyo Puyo game. Now, if you already have Puyo Puyo Tetris, I don't know. Excuse me, I burped. I don't know that this is something that you should buy. I really like Puyo Puyo Tetris. Uh, picking this up in May, May 7th, um, I don't know if, if it's something I'm interested in buying, but I do think that it looks fun and it makes me want to play Puyo Puyo Tetris again. So if you haven't picked up Puyo Puyo Tetris, I bet you can find it pretty cheap because uh, that game is is super fun and probably lost some of its luster now that Tetris 99 is out. So you can probably find it on sale someplace pretty cheap or I know I just got done ranting about this, but you could probably find it used as well. Uh, another game that you can get uh, coming out in May is Doraemon's Story of Seasons. So this is basically the people who made the original Harvest Moon games. They sold off the name Harvest Moon, and the new Harvest Moon games are not the Harvest Moon games. The The Story of Seasons games are the Harvest Moon games, if that makes any sense. At least that's how it was explained to me. Uh, and there's a new... Uh, there's a new uh, story of Seasons games coming to the Nintendo Switch. It looks really, really good. If you're a fan of, oh my God, I can't think of the name of it, Stardew Valley. If you're a fan of Stardew Valley, then this is probably going to be a game that appeals to you. Um, you know, if you build a farm, you meet the townsfolk, you do all that stuff to uh, to build out your farm, and it sounds really fun. These kind of games appeal to me for a very short period of time before I lose my interest in them. Okay, uh, Box Boy plus Box Girl demo. Go try it out. It's awesome. I'm probably going to be end up picking up this game because it's really good. Uh, the demo sold me. And uh, you know what? By the way, somebody tweeted at me. They wanted me to talk about this on Run, Jump, Stomp, one of my other shows. Uh, the, the What happened to demos? So... That's going to be one of the topics on Friday's episode of Run, Jump, Stomp. So if you haven't already subscribed to that show, go check it out uh, quickly and subscribe because Friday, that's going to be one of the topics. Demos, where have they gone? Um, we'll talk about that on, on Run, Jump, Stomp. But uh, Box Boy and Box Girl, check out that demo. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, I was also asked about a game called Ding Dong XL. I just finished recording my first look at it right before I sat down to record the podcast. Uh, Ding Dong XL is this really cool game where you bounce a ball between the top and bottom of the screen while things are going back and forth across. Kind of, kind of Frogger-like, but not quite Frogger-like. Everything has a cool neon glow to it, and it's got a cool soundtrack. Um you there's a good risk reward system in it and this is just from my 10 minutes playing the game feels like there's a really good risk reward system because if you just barely graze some of the part uh some of the the sideways moving pieces you get an extra point but if you slam into them you you die and your game is over um you you bounce back and forth and as you bounce back and forth you get your score getting higher and higher and you use that score, you spend the points from that score in order to unlock more levels. And I've only like played like three levels, I think it was. But it was really fun. And the game is only a buck. I got it basically for free because I just used some of my gold coins for it. 
Uh, so make sure that you check that out. Ding Dong XL just came out on the Nintendo Switch. Very, very fun. And it's only a buck. It's a no-brainer. Speaking of using your brain, um, there is a game coming to the Nintendo Switch. It is a Japanese language learning JRPG. It's being developed for the Nintendo Switch. It's called Sunako. It's from Shunjinko. Sorry, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know anything about it. Uh, They say that Sunako is our first character to be featured in the upcoming Japanese language learning JRPG uh, Shujinko. Uh, born to a pair of competent fishermen from the Genya Keiko, uh, her passion for fishing is matched only by her love of her family and for the bottle and men. <laughs> I haven't read this yet. This is funny. A liberated woman is un- in an unlikely profession among her people. She quickly mastered her craft in her childhood years and was the source of deep pride for her parents, yet her knack for quick mastery has left a stain on her family's reputation. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, As she grew into womanhood, the years saw her develop a taste for booze. And they're the attentions of any suitor she can wave a fan at. Oh my goodness. But don't let her drunken promiscuity fool you. This sounds really funny. Don't let her drunken promiscuity fool you. She can down all the sake from a gourd and then catch a catfish in it. And still have time to find a man to bankrupt, both morally and monetarily, before the sun sets. This sounds really, really funny. And I like the idea that there's a game that can teach me Japanese. As a lifelong Nintendo fan, I've always wanted to learn Japanese. And I don't know what this game will be rated, but it's definitely something that I'm going to be paying attention to in the future because it sounds funny and it's going to teach me Japanese. So I think those two things going together sound awesome. All right, speaking of things that are sounding awesome, uh, I wanted to know what you guys wanted me to talk about. Uh, Chris Becker said, talk about Ding Dong XL, done. Uh, Hyrulean Julian asked me to talk about Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. I can't because I don't have it. Uh, So maybe in the future someday. Um, Leo Stern uh, said that, talk about games being released for Nintendo Switch that gave performance issues like Time at Porsche and Mortal Kombat 11, maybe others. Uh, so, Leo Stern, uh, thanks for writing in. I want to say this. The Switch is less powerful than the other consoles, and there's going to be performance issues when you're porting a game from the Switch to other consoles. Because of this, I also have a PS4. So when a game is going to be the type of game that won't run well on the Switch, I buy it on PS4. I totally understand that that's not an option for everybody out there, but that's that's just my way of looking at it. I would recommend that you pick up a secondary console. Uh, well, do I? Maybe wait. We've got the PS5 coming out next year. Uh, the Xbox One S uh, All Digital came out at uh, $250, which is too expensive, I think, for that machine. Um, do I recommend you pick up a, one of the, You know what? I bet you can get an old Xbox One or an old PS4 uh, used someplace. And then you can play a lot of these games without that detractor. Because if I were interested in playing Mortal Kombat 11 and I only had a switch that's probably where i would play it 
But if I had options to play it someplace else, I would probably play it someplace else because that game is a graphics powerhouse. And it doesn't make sense for me to want to play it on the Switch if I have other options. If your only option is the Switch, then I understand. Maybe don't support uh, developers that can't down-res their game in order to have good results. That being said, keep in mind that they can always patch things later and improve things over time. Rocket League started out kind of rocky, and over time it improved. And now you have the option for 60 frames per second or improved visuals with 30 frames per second. And uh, you just have to keep in mind that things can improve over time. Uh, Julian Sharp wants me to talk about Shakedown Hawaii finally coming on May 7th. I'm very excited for that. If you've not seen Shakedown Hawaii, it's a top-down, 16-bit style, open-world game. Uh, basically kind of like GTA-ish. It looks really, really fun. I think that it is a sequel to a game that was on the 3DS, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, yeah, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it looks super fun, and I'm I'm definitely interested in Shakedown Hawaii. And then this is complete opposite to what Julian was just saying. Carl, I'm just going to say Carl, because I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't want to, uh, Lazuski. Carl Lazuski uh, says, don't talk about any more games coming out in May. I'm already getting nine. It's getting to the point where I'm going to have to choose between Switch games or food. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I talked about a bunch of games that are coming out soon. Uh, so my bad. But hey, you know what? What are those nine games that you're getting, Carl? That's what I want to know. Uh, make sure you tweet at me. Use the hashtag uh, I'm Run Jump Stomp on Twitter. Use the hashtag Nintendo Switchcraft so I can sort by uh, what you guys want to talk about. In fact, let me just search that hashtag right now on Twitter and see if anybody has anything that they want me to talk about. Uh, right now, it's just a bunch of people posting pictures of their home screens because um, I told people that I wanted to know what their top games were. So right here, I'm looking at Pat Duddy. And his top games are Zelda, Stardew Valley, Octopath Traveler, Hyrule Warriors, Mario Rabbids, and Mario Odyssey. Well, listen, we talked a lot today. We're already almost to 40 minutes. I'm going to have to cut everything off. So it's time to go. Let's wrap the show up right now. Become a part of the community over at runjumpstomp.com slash discord. Watch the show live at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Get a hold of me by emailing me runjumpstomp at gmail.com or better yet, use at runjumpstomp on Twitter and the hashtag Nintendo Switchcraft. If you want to support the show, head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. And if you like my, other, my this show, you'll probably like my other shows. I've got another one called Run Jump Stomp recording on Friday. And I've got another one called Stadia Cast recording on Sunday. Uh, actually, usually we record on Sunday. I think we're recording on Saturday instead because Sunday I'm going to go see the Avengers. All right, so I'm out of here. The music on today's episode is, of course, by Noteblock. If you haven't checked out their stuff, head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash music. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I will see you all next time. Until then, stay awesome.